Father, this evening we come to you once again, Lord. We thank you, thank you, Father. We come to the middle of the week, Lord. and We thank you for every second, Lord, your protection over our lives. Your provision over our lives, Lord. Your power that is manifested over our lives, Lord. We do not take anything for granted, O Father. We just want to thank you, praise you, worship you, Lord. And this night, even as we come to your word, we look to your word. I pray your word will speak to us. And you will speak to us through your word, Lord. Continue to strengthen and edify the inner man, O Lord. Because as the days pass by, man of God and the woman of God and the child of God needs to be prepared for the coming of his Lord. So help us to be part of it, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We come at this time into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We turn first to First Peter chapter 4 and we look from verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. After for us 47 days of lockdown, if anybody still doesn't feel, this is the harbinger of the end of all things. And it is at hand. We are missing something. Okay. This was written 2000 years ago. And when Jesus stepped down in the flesh, the last days literally began. Because that was God's final act on earth. The redemption of mankind was being put into place. And, uh, but we are right at the end of all things. And here Peter tells us, but the end of all things are at hand. And he tells us, be serious. And serious is a very, very general term. KJ will use the term, be sober. Okay, be sober. That's okay. Be sober and watchful. <coughs> watch unto prayer. Okay, be watchful in your prayer. Watch unto prayer. Let's go further down and look at it so that we get. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. So, one by one, the Spirit of God through Apostle in this particular passage is putting things in order. He says, be sober. Okay? Be very clear-minded. Be sober. Two, be very watchful in your prayer life. Remember what the Lord had said when he walked on earth. One of the characteristic signs of the last days is the love of many will grow cold. So he says, above all things, watch your heart. Have fervent love for one another within the body of Christ where God has placed you. For love will cover a multitude of since a lot of things will start happening within the body of Christ, within homes. But see, you are covering and not fighting. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Okay, we are already in a kind of a situation where resources are running low and within the body of Christ first. And then outside that, God is saying, see that you help one another without grumbling. Okay, without grumbling. And then, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another. Everybody has, has a gift like we see in our brother Peter and Apu have a gift and they used, they have been using it all this day to minister to one another and we are using our gift 
which God has given of teaching and the rest of you, your talents is all being as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Meaning these things should not stop us because when things are getting tougher and tougher and tougher, remember everything ultimately is a test of our faith. Okay, sight and faith will be divided and when gets things tougher and tougher and tougher, remember our faith is being tested and faith can never stop. Sight can stop by trouble outside, but faith can never stop because faith is able to tap into the very power of God that is the grace or the spirit of God. Okay, and verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Okay, So we are definitely at the end times. And we'll always see the end times are always characterized by a different kind of work which God does. There is usually an upheaval in the society, pressure and spiritual conflict. Whenever there is a transition taking place, you will see the body of Christ or God's people will always experience pressure and an upheaval. In Hebrews 10 and verse 13, it is talking about a transition from one to the other. Okay, from Time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. So something is going going to happen here. There is a transition that is taking place and his enemies will be made his footstool. I think, it, yeah. And then First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Now all these things happen to them as examples, but they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of ages have come. Meaning, the closest generation to the last days will experience God's word differently. They will understand the word of God differently because everything was written for all people, but everything did not apply to all people the same way. How it will apply to the people living in the last days will be completely, completely different. And if you go to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Everywhere you will see a term is being used that is the end of ages. He has appeared, he has put up his one sacrifice, he has put away sin, and meaning at the end of ages, you will see its cumulative effect towards the end. So the divine concept of age does not mean old. Okay, we think, oh, he's an aged man. Okay, we think in terms of old. But in the divine concept, it means fullness, or ready for transition. Okay, that's what it means. So you will see in Genesis chapter 21 and verse 12. 
Jesus said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your born woman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. He says, don't get upset by what you have heard, because the transition is taking place here. Isaac has come of age. Ishmael has to go. The transition taking place in his upheaval going to take place in your home. But unless that takes place, the transition cannot take place. Somebody has to go so that somebody else can arise. Okay, so you you look at uh, um, in Genesis 15, 6 also, okay, Moses is born and yet something else, uh, sorry, uh, 15, 16, not 6, 15, 16. Moses is born on one side, but something else is happening which we did not realize, 16. Yeah. In the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Okay. The iniquity of Amorites is coming to full age, to fullness. But on that side, nobody realized Moses is born. Moses is born. Okay. Remember, Moses was born at 40, he goofed up. And then at 80, the children of Israel goofed up. So everything was delayed by 80 years. At 40, if he had been still and allowed God to move him, it would have been a different story. He took things into his own hand. He killed the man. He had to run. Then he had to wait another 40 years. Then he brought Israel out and the people rebelled against God. So they could enter only with Joshua. But God, on the other hand, was seeing something. There is a fullness that is taking place. So when you are talking about age, end of ages, you need to realize we are not talking in terms of people growing old. We are talking about something that God is talking about. A fullness of whatever he is waiting has come to pass. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, again talking about the last days. God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days. Okay, Meaning he's, he's saying this is the final Talk to different people. But when the last days begin, the end of ages begins, his definitive voice is spoken through his own son itself. Okay, It's not like an apostle speaking or a prophet speaking or his son itself. So he's centering on his son. And I sometimes I believe that even with 47 days of lockdown for us, we are still missing the big picture. The big picture they are missing is what is written in Hebrews 12 and verse 27. The big picture. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that things which cannot be shaken may remain. Meaning, God is shaking and removing. Everything that can be shaken and be removed. Everything that is earthly is being forced to give way to the spiritual. First in the children, God's children's life. In simple language, all that is temporal will go. And all that will remain is the spiritual. And the shaking is taking place. And suddenly we realize, even in our own lives, even, no, we realize everything. Like, think about two months back. How we thought about life, how we looked at life, 
every facet of human life, everything has changed. It has been shaken. People's confidence in governments, in economic system, financial markets, other markets, medical systems, you can name it, everything is shaken. Everything is shaken. And God is shaking. But he is shaking the outward man so that the inward man will be revealed. And he is shaking everything. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, this is what scripture says. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So through it all, God is saying, you know, there is so much in each one of us which cannot inherit. Which cannot inherit. And a clear division is being made in these last days. And the shaking is precisely for that. And we saw that in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, how the living word of God cuts through between the division of the spirit and the soul and even the intents and the thoughts of the heart is being discerned. Okay, being discerned. And that's basically what's happening. We are not talking about the world. We are not even concerned about the world. We are talking about the kingdom of God because First Peter chapter 4, 17 is very, very clear. When God begins his move towards the end, he begins with the house of God. He does not begin with the world. Though the whole world is being affected, but God is not dealing with the house of God in the same way. The judgment has begun in the house of God. For time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, so it begins with us first. And you will see every Christian home is being shaken. Unlike other homes. You see, there are homes around the world which are not Christian, but their expectations are not the same as ours. Our homes, expectations are different because of the word of God, because of the nature of our God and the life of Christ, the man and the woman and the children are supposed to live out. So the expectations are completely different because of the life and the Holy Spirit we have received. And now when this judgment has started, you will see the sword is going through. It is going through the individual, it is cutting through families, and everything is taking place in this very clear division is taking place. And a shaking is precisely for that. And Christ will emerge clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. Each one will look into his heart and realize whether there is Christ or not. Scripture says, examine yourself, right? Whether Christ is in you. And this is a season homes and individuals are discovering that there is no Christ. There's very little of Christ in my house. There was religion, but no Christ. And it begins in the house and God is intensifying the pressure, allowing the pressure to happen. Okay, it will, it will happen. Look at, look at the Old Testament patterns. If you know, in uh, Genesis 17 and verse 1, when God appears to Abraham, how old is he? He's 99 years old. If he's 99 years old, that means Ishmael is 12 years old. Twelve is the number of God's government. Okay? And when God comes to him at 99, there is 
intense pressure because transition is going to take place. First thing he says, circumcise. Second thing he says, it is not Ishmael. It is Isaac. For the next one year, there is unbelievable pressure in Abraham's life because transition is going to take place. And a year later, Isaac will be born. Isaac will be born. Okay, because there is something that is happening. God has waited, waited, the fullness of time has come. Let us look at another picture of the pressure that will come and the transition that takes place. First Samuel chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves wild and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Old man, Eli, judgment is being pronounced over his household. Yet simultaneously, if you look at it from verse 19 to 20, same chapter. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as the prophet of the old. Okay, On one side, there is a severe judgment. On the other side, another man is growing. And there is a transition taking place. Okay, So we have to always remember this is the way it works. There was a shaking and there is a removal of one order while there is a recognition of another. The flesh is judged and the spirit is lifted up. Paul will put it across it this way. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 and 11. Have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor fear. But Christ is Christ is all and in all. He says at the end, what is happening in the shaking, the judgment, a new man is emerging. And the old man also will be revealed. The transition will take place and like in Israel, Eli is there and Samuel is there. But the division is very clear. And God is doing that within the church too. The new man and the old man, there is a separation taking place. And in the new man, what is happening? Christ is all and in all. It's not in parts. Not in all that we wanted. No. The new creation and the old creation, the distinction will become clearer and clearer and clearer. And I believe God has already begun the work and it is happening in individuals families and in churches because the final separation is by the sword the word of God the person is being divided and showing which is your old creation which is the new creation have you put on the new man he's looking at the families and you'll see the sword that's why the questions you are getting are all from Christians they are not from non-Christians okay home and church division is taking place Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14. The reality of this is being tested. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. 
the whole question God is asking his people, Christians who have taken his name. Are you still hoping for things to turn normal? Where is your continuing city? You can have 100 days of lockdown and nothing change in your mind. You're still waiting for things to go back to normal. And outwardly God may allow it to go back to normal for another season. But you wouldn't realize that if that was what was you were hoping, you are already judged. You are not seeking the one to come. This time was given to evaluate our own lives, our stand before God, our spiritual state to show us whether we are seeking the one to come or this is our continuing city. So the question God is asking is, what is your true reality? Has the cross really done its work in us? Is it doing its continuing work in us? Because when the cross does its continuing work in us, then we are looking for the one and the city. The one, that is Jesus, and the city, that city, that one to come. If you are going to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Remember that kingdom can be entered also through great tribulation. Much tribulation, Jesus said. So there are all these patterns established in the Bible. Otherwise, what will happen is that we will listen morning and evening and just gather knowledge. Without the knowledge becoming life. When does that knowledge become life? It becomes life when the cross has been applied into our life. That's when it becomes life. The old man is crucified and the knowledge we receive with the Holy Spirit, we allow it to become our lives. The old man and the new man. The separation is taking place. God is shaking everything. We are also being shaken and things that cannot be shaken alone will remain in us. God is doing that work. So there are these patterns in the Bible. Please understand it will make sense only as the cross is applied to the flesh. Meaning more crosses applied, the more we will understand both scripture and life clearly from God's perspective. Till then, our eyes will remain closed. We will not see Jesus, even though he's in our midst, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Let's look at one such person in the New Testament, okay? We've got a very little history in the New Testament, so once in a while we'll have to go and grab that little history in the New Testament. Let's go first to Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. Three words will separate him from the rest of the crowd. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. Okay, He was in Jerusalem. We go, the church actually is called Jerusalem. But there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just. So that separated him from the unjust. This man was devout. So that separated him from those who were just but not devout. And they can be just without being devout. There's a judge who was just. He feared no man, but he was not devout. Okay? Devout. That separates him from those who are not devout. And then he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So that separated him from those who are just and devout. 
who are not waiting for anything. There are four things, fundamental things you need to realize how you prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first thing is waiting. You're waiting for something very specific. Second is patience. The third is perseverance. The fourth is endurance. These four things are not there in your life. You are not ready for the Lord. Four things. Waiting, patience, perseverance, endurance. These four things. And scripture says this man was waiting. Okay, he was just, he was devout, he was waiting. So that's separating him from the crowd. There will be a lot of just people in Jerusalem. That's fine. He's one of them. There are a lot of people who are just and devout. So the crowd has become smaller. And then he's waiting for the consular officer. The crowd becomes even smaller. And then there is a fourth thing that separates him from the rest. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Okay. The Holy Spirit was upon him. But that alone is not enough. He's going to be separated even further from the others who could have been there with the Holy Spirit upon him. That verse 26 will say. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, meaning he had vision. He had revelation. He had revelation. That separated him entirely from the crowd. He was devout. He was just. He was devout. He was waiting for Jesus' first coming. So let's put into a pattern. We are just. Let's imagine we are just. We are devout. We are waiting for Jesus' second coming. And the Holy Spirit is in us, upon us, with us. But do we have revelation? And he had revelation. What was his revelation? Right? Revelation that he would see. That he would see. That was what would mark him out. Though he was very old. He was an old man. Okay? Yet he had revelation. And when we come to the end of the age, remember, end of the age, what matters is that revelation. Very clear. Absolutely clear. Service has very limited value and range if there is no revelation. We cannot serve God profitably without revelation. Without revelation. Right? Like if we do not have the revelation, we are actually in the last days, then we cannot profitably serve God and his people. No? And there is this man. He has revelation. Our service becomes very, very limited. And then we will be caught unawares. And that revelation is the one which is carrying it in the future. It is that what makes what we are doing now have value. Old person, okay? He's an old person. How people saw him and who he was, was different. Okay? People had no clue, probably, how he saw himself and how they saw him was different. Uh, no. If one day he did not wake from, wake up from his sleep, people would have said, oh, Simeon, we thought he was going to pass away one day. But he's the only one who knows he's not going to pass away. He's the only one who knows, I'm not going to pass away. I'm not going to pass away. You know? Because I have a revelation. That one, 26, that one revelation changes everything. 
You know what it changes? Death is no longer your master. Death is your slave. Death serves you. You don't serve death. Death is not your master anymore. Death is your slave because you, death, has to wait because I have a revelation. My time has not come. You see, if God has given a vision to a man, woman, child, and it's all tied to a revelation, then actually that person has a dose of immortality until the work is done. Then he can cry, Psalm 118, verse 17, I shall not die, but live. I shall not die, but live. That is why whatever they tried to do with Jesus, he couldn't be killed until he was on the cross. He just walked through. They tried to push him over the cliff. Lots of times they did. He just walked through. He was just one man with no bodyguards, nothing at all. And everybody wanted to kill him. The power structure, entire power structure wanted to kill him. Right? But he walked through. Why? Because he has a revelation. Very clear revelation. When you will die, how you will die. And he will not die through any other means. That is the only way he will die. So we should be able to, once we have this revelation, we should be able to have this confidence to say, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. But it is not enough to have a revelation. Our life also must be bound with the revelation. And it is not by man. It is by the Holy Spirit. Okay, It is the Holy Spirit that gave him the revelation. And Simon is just one of the links of the transition between the old to the new that was taking place, the old and the new. And that vision, like I keep teaching, is what enables us to enter into God's rest. That keeps us sober. That keeps us prayerful. That keeps us watchful. You know why? You've been told something. You're not going to die until something happens. There is a purpose in your life. You have received a revelation. So be sober. So be watchful. Because your life is tied or bound to the vision you have received. Proverbs 28 and verse, uh, sorry, 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people cast away Restrained. Okay, they cast away restraints. They fall apart, literally. They fall apart. Cast away restraint. Another translation, another way to explain to it is they fall apart because there is no revelation. So when Moses went up the hill, Aaron and the entire gang fell apart because they had no revelation. They had no revelation. Okay, so what is happening is in this 47 day lockdown, so many people and systems and churches are just falling apart. Why are they falling apart? Why are homes falling apart? Why are individuals falling apart? Why are churches falling apart? You know why? Why are they falling apart? Because they have no revelation. They have no revelation. And we need to ask ourselves, you know, like, like if you look at it, this lockdown has taken place 47 days. When I look at my life personally, it has changed nothing. Nothing has changed in my life. 
I'm not talking about spiritually. I'm talking about outwardly. Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is you are not going from here to Jivan Jyoti. That's the only thing that has changed. But ministry hasn't changed. Work hasn't changed. No? And of course, not able to go home. But other than that, nothing has primarily changed. We are unaffected by the lockdown spiritually. Everything is moving on spiritually the way it was and much better than before. You know? But God is talking about here what is happening to individuals, what is happening to homes, what is happening to churches. You look at verse 27, Simon's revelation caused him to walk with God. That is what made him a spiritual man. So scripture says he came by the spirit into the temple. So that's what Paul says. If we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. So he's walking in the spirit under the old covenant terms, not the new covenant terms. He's walking by the, so he came by the spirit to the temple. You know, if you look at it, how incredible it would be even tonight, even though it's online, that people came to the temple by the Spirit. If they came by the Spirit to the temple, even now, they would have a real encounter with Christ. Okay. Now understand this. You can come into the temple by the Spirit only if you had gone outside the temple also by the Spirit. Okay? He went outside. He was not outside when Jesus came to the temple. He was outside. But even outside, he went by the Spirit. So he could be brought back also by the Spirit. There is no compartments in his life. His life is one whole. Whether he is out or whether he is in the temple, it is one whole. And therefore he can go out in the Spirit and come back and led by the Spirit. And be living in a better age, because it is says the Holy Spirit was upon him. But we live in an age where the Holy Spirit is in us and with us. Okay? And then, if you go further, you will see a fulfillment. Okay? He came in. Let's go to 27, 28, 29. Can we read it that way? Yeah. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law. So the Holy Spirit doesn't make any confusion. Jesus talked about deception, deception, deception. There will say, here is Christ, there is Christ, that is Christ. But when you are led out by the Spirit and brought in by the Spirit, there are hundreds or probably thousands of people in the temple yard and so many babies over there. There is no confusion who is the Christ. He's not getting deceived. He's not getting deceived. And if you look at the characteristics that caused him not to be entrapped by deceivement, deception is he was just, he was devout, he was waiting for a specific thing and the Holy Spirit was upon him and the Holy Spirit had also revealed to him, you would be one who would see. And he was out at that appointed time and has been brought in by the Holy Spirit and directed clearly to the Christ child, no other child, no other child. So you will see there, okay? He took him up in his arms and blessed the Lord, blessed God and said, okay? Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. What is he saying? 
my revelation has come to pass. You gave me a revelation, it has come to pass. That means your revelation has been fulfilled in my life. My work is complete. Now I can go. Well done, good and faithful servant. You can enter into my joy. I have finished my work. Mine eyes have seen your salvation. Remember, only the Holy Spirit can do this. So all the teachings you get in the morning is primarily aimed at seeing you hear clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer from the Spirit of God so that you know what is the division between the soul and the spirit. The soul is getting sanctified and sanctified and sanctified and sanctified and more and more and God is giving time to his people so that you be, you no know, one will get caught by surprise. Okay, because there is study, there is knowledge, there is wisdom, there is understanding, and then there is revelation. And only revelation can pinpoint one child among hundreds. Nothing else can. All of our Bible study will not pinpoint the Christ child. The Holy Spirit has to show. That's the one. All our study... Absolutely. Our entire memorization of the Holy Scriptures, our understanding will not pinpoint. Only the Holy Spirit will. Why? Because the Holy Spirit alone knows who is his son. Okay. Let's go to verse 31 and 32. Mine eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all the people. Right? But revealed only to one. Your salvation was prepared before the face of all people, but only my eyes have seen. Something can be prepared before everybody's eyes, but that doesn't mean we see. Right? It was meant to be a light or to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory for Israel. But only very few saw. Okay. You look at what's actually happening. You have to see in your mind's eye this massive temple structure. It took 46 years to build it. Huge structure and everything that is taking place. Okay. All the people standing over there have come with various kinds of offerings. Peace offerings and atone, you can name it in the, under the law. They all have brought offerings. They are all carrying their offerings in the hand. And every offering they are bringing under the law signified the offering Christ will make on the cross. So every man for thousands of years have entered into the portals of these temples, different ages, different brothers. The purpose was the same with different offerings. But at the end of transition, one man alone is holding the offering in his hand, which is God's offering. And nobody has any clue. None of their offerings has any meaning. This is the one that has meaning. He straight away went and took the child. And that is God's offering. Nobody has any clue. As the son has come, their offerings have no meaning. All these offerings point to him. 
You know, how we can do so many things and which has no meaning at all because the spiritual has come and the natural has no meaning anymore. And God is trying to make the natural man into a spiritual man. That is where the division of the soul and the spirit comes. Everything. Once the spiritual comes, the natural has no meaning at all. And nobody has any any clue. That day, the next day, the next day for another 30, 70 years, sacrifices will go on. But nothing would have any meaning at all because God's sacrifice has come. One man alone is holding. In his arms is holding the sum total of 1500 years of sacrifices. Everything was pointing to this child, but everybody's eyes are blinded. And only one, what does he say? Mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all the people. The Gentile court is there. There are a lot of Gentiles. The Jews have come here, moved further. Light to the Gentiles, glory to Israel, but my eyes have seen. Neither the Gentiles nor the Jews have any clue. This old man is holding God's offering. This is the difference between knowledge and revelation. And Jesus used to test his disciples. Who do you say? What do the people say I am? And they all came up with different, different answers. Then he asked them, who do you say I am? And one disciple got revelation. And it was revelation. And Jesus made it very clear. Okay. So in this last days, the end of all that, Apostle who got the revelation is telling us the end of all things are at hand. Be sober. Be watchful in prayer. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. There's one more aged person over there. We'll go to 36 to 39. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Fenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Okay, They say she was not 84 years old. She has been a widow for 84 years. So they actually calculate and say how she was around 106 years old. Old lady who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant. Look at the timing. Look at timing. A woman, an old man who went in and out of the temple by the spirit and a woman who never left the temple by the spirit. Okay, One who went out, one who never went out. But both were led by the spirit to come at that same instant and encounter the living Christ. So you may be a husband who goes out to work. You may be a wife who stays at home. It's irrelevant. The question is, are you led by the spirit? That's the only thing that matters. Because we have lots of housewives writing. They never go out. I've been a housewife. My sister wrote, I've been a housewife for 30 years all my life. I've been a housewife. Good. There was she. But she was in the temple. She was in the temple. Simeon went out and came in. Went out and came in. Anna never went out. But it doesn't matter as long as you are being led by the Spirit. Both of them converged upon the same baby. Imagine he is coming from one gate and she is living somewhere in the widow's quarters. Suddenly you see an old man and an old woman led by the spirit and converging upon a young man and a woman holding a baby, converging on the same baby. The man reaches first and takes the baby. 
Honey says, I've seen. And she served God. Night and day. Fasting and prayer. Night and day. Do you see how we can serve God night and day? Widows? If you have no, if you have no burden, there are a lot of mothers sitting in old age homes and thinking and feeling bad. My children left me here or I was abandoned. My Here is Anna. Night and day. Serving God. You see, there is a ministry, something which we can do just by fasting and prayer alone. She's not doing anything else. By fasting and praying. And what she is doing, what we are asked to do, to hasten the coming of the Lord. Okay? That's what she's praying for. They don't understand the second coming. They are waiting for the Messiah to come. And here is a lady, a type of a church is fasting and praying, hastening the coming of the Lord. And one day she is fasting and she is praying. The Spirit said, He's come. He's come. She must have a small little cubicle somewhere, some corner of the priest somewhere. No, for widows. The Lord said, he's come. She says, where? He says, there. He's in the court. And she moves. And she looks. And the Holy Spirit says, there. That one. And she ran. She probably knows Simeon very well. Two godly people. A lot of sisters who are at home, honestly, home, the mothers, the sisters who are at home, waste their time. Honestly. It's an unbelievable spiritual waste. Because they can really, really hasten the coming of the Lord. She served all her life in fasting and prayer. In prayer, interceding, interceding, interceding. So God must have laid different burdens on her. You know, different burdens on her. But one day God said, he's there. She too came in, Bible says, at in that instant, coming in, that instant, I like it, the timing of it. Meaning you don't have to worry about missing. Oh, he will coming in the twinkling of an eye. If it's a secret rapture, he comes in the cloud. Will I know? Don't worry. They too knew. Nobody else knew there. The temple was full of priests and Levites and all kinds of stuff, sacrifices. Everything is going on. The bleating of sheep and lambs and smell of blood and sacrifice, fire, smoke, incense. Everything is going and all are supposedly there serving and seeking God. But nobody knows God has come. The Lord, for the first time after the temple was made in the physical form, he stepped into his temple. And nobody knows. Nobody has any clue. Only two people. And how did they know? The Spirit led them. The Spirit led them. That is why we keep telling and we keep teaching over and over, be careful about how we deal with the Holy Spirit. Don't don't make him into a doctrine. Neither in the Old Testament or the New Testament was he a doctrine. He is a person. And he is a person. Because no man knows the day or the hour. Everybody worry about missing that moment. But we given a picture here. Two people. Nobody knew when he would come to this temple either. Neither Simeon nor Anna. They did not know. But they were prepared for his coming by walking with the Spirit. That was the key. It's your walking by the Spirit that prepares you for the coming of the Lord. Right? You don't have to worry about when he will come because when he will come, 
the spirit will tell you. All those who have ears, let them hear. So all you have to do is don't worry about whether it will come on Tuesday or Wednesday or Sunday or morning or night or afternoon. Don't have to worry about it. Just walk with the spirit. Walk with him. Walk with him. And they did not miss the moment. Two old people did not miss the moment. I believe all this shaking that is taking place by God, COVID-19 is a different thing to the world, it's a different thing to the church, is to prepare a people who will let go of everything that can be shaken. Everything that can be shaken in your life, let go of it. It's not worth holding on to it. God is shaking. God is showing to all of us what are the things that our we are attached to. We are afraid of losing. What are the things where fear is coming, attachments are there. He's shaking stuff all around. He says, let it go. What is left is the kingdom of God. And that cannot be shaken. You see, you see in Hindi we call it, English we call it sieve, in Hindi we call it chalni. Old days, um, I mean, those uh, later, you used to get the sieve, right? You would get different kinds of sieve. First one was little more bigger, and then the fine one will be there, okay? So, uh, Malus like us, like me, when we are making certain stuff, you need the fine, and you will need a little rough also. So, we'll take one sieve off, and put the bigger crisscross, whatever you want to call it, and take. And then you put the second one. And do it. Then you put the third one and do it. So finally you have only the fine powder mixed with this thing, you know. You know what God is doing? He's shaking. He's shaking. And he's sieving us out. The wheat and the chaff. Everything. So that you will know. We will not know otherwise. Unless something is shaken, we will not know. And suddenly this whole thing has happened. And you know what has happened suddenly, like let's talk about India. People don't have money. People don't have jobs. Governments, state governments are delaying salaries because there is no money. And soon central government will say half salary will give you in arrears because if you don't run out of money. And because these are all things in which people put their confidence in. No, these are, and these are, these are things the natural man puts his confidence in. But God said, didn't I always tell you, you are not a natural man, you are a spiritual man. You are not a natural, you are spiritual first, a natural second. Didn't I tell you to seek first the kingdom of God? Is it natural or spiritual? And his righteousness, is it natural or a spiritual entity? It is spiritual. And all these things, the natural, now God is saying, change your order. Let the natural be at the back. Let the spiritual man emerge. So Peter will say, be sober. And be watchful unto prayer. Be sober. Because the end of all things is near. And that's what's happening, happening over here. So when the shaking is all taking place so that the Holy Spirit can show us, get rid of it, and lead us on. If you turn to verse 38 there, coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. So there was a company there who was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. But the revelation came only to two. You see the difference? 
God is not a respecter of persons. Yet he reveals himself, the spirit of God reveals only to two people, an old man and an old woman. That means, though they all looked for the redemption in Jerusalem, the waiting was not the same. The waiting was. The preparation was not the same. The preparation was not the same. And also there are so many things over there. Okay, you need to realize everybody is not, everybody is waiting for the same event, but everybody is not waiting the same way. Everybody is preparing for the same event, everybody is not preparing the same way. And the third thing you need to realize is you can speak of him only to those who are waiting for him. Even today, when this message is being spoken to, only those who are waiting for his appearance will receive this message in a different way. It makes sense to them. To the others, it's boring. She could speak of him only to all those who are looking forward to something. Not to the others. Others, it was just religion. They came, did their sacrifices and they left. The question is, can God speak to us? What are we looking for? That's why Paul will, in his Corinthian first letter, will say, Cursed be he. Maranatha, if anybody does not love Christ Jesus. Curse be. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the church to a most carnal church, the letter to Corinthians. He writes from Romans all the way to Philemon, right? So what is it? What is, what is that one line telling us about all the epistles? The epistles will be read with a different eyes and a different heart by those who are waiting for the Lord. The others don't get it. The way a man or a woman who is waiting for the coming of the Lord reads the letters of God is different. It's different. For the others, it is an academic exercise. Or it can be just part of religion. I'm doing my daily devotions. But not. Not the person. No, imagine we have a second Rabat cantonment over here. And you have a soldier whose family is here, but he's posted in Kashmir. And we already know this week, so many senior officers also were killed, who were deputed to Ara rifles. They died. You know, How would that lady read the letter of her husband coming there by post? Would she read the way we read letters? No. Every letter she gets, she says, okay, I'm looking at, when is, this, when is he coming? When is he going to be dead? Discharged from RR rifles and when will we come back? When will be? Every letter she is looking forward. He says, he says, not yet, not yet, not yet. But very soon I'm waiting for the orders to come. Every time she opens the letter, she reads it with an expectation. Expectation is what that soon my husband will come. But the postman who's delivering the letters, he's delivering the letters with no such feelings. Okay, it's delivery. But the one, each one receives letters with a different feeling. But the way this lady receives the letter is different because she's waiting for something. She's waiting for something. And that's what God is talking about. He can speak only to those who are looking for their redemption. So the Bible says, uh, the whole of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Whole creation, everything that is happening, creation wants its redemption. But they said, we cannot be redeemed until you are redeemed. You are delaying our redemption. Because God has said, Adam was the head of mankind, the head of this world. He goofed up, my son, put it right. Now the sons of God are being 
like the fullness of the sons of God is happening. Only God knows when they are ready. Your redemption, our redemption. You know? And the saints are also, the Bible says, groaning in their bodies. Because now they love God with all their heart. They love serving God with all their heart. Only problem, the block to serving God is the body. Because you feel tired. You sneeze. You have a headache. You are tired. But honestly, you are not tired of serving God. Your body is tired. Your body is tired. You are not tired of serving God. Your body is tired. So what happens? Now, you dislike this body. You dislike this body. You realize this body is the hindrance to serving my God. The saint starts groaning for his redemption from the body. Lord, when will you come, Lord? This body, I realize, is my worst enemy. It limits me from experiencing you. Limits me from experiencing you. Because everything in the world is connected with this body. This body is deified. It's the God. And this is the God that is offered, worshipped day in and day out. And all the worries are connected with this body. But the saint sees this body differently. This is my worst enemy. Lord. So you have a lot of people over there. But only two got the revelation. Two witnesses. Simeon and Anna. There can be a lot of company. That's not the whole issue. Can we hear? Look at Acts chapter 22 verse 9. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. This is Paul. Years and years and years ago on the road to Damascus, he says, we were a company. And they saw the light and they were scared. But they did not hear the voice. The voice was only spoken to me. Very personal. Saul, Saul. The rest of the company heard nothing. Nothing. So you know what? Um, boom! Flash of lightning. Light happened. So they would have probably made it into a natural thing. What happened? Some flash of light and this poor man became blind. And they led him to Damascus. But he heard. They didn't. They didn't hear. They saw the light. They didn't hear the voice. They didn't hear the voice. They did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. We have to hear the voice of him who speaks to us. That's why I keep saying faith comes from hearing. That changes. The word of God is our is our stronghold, our security to see that the voice that we hear tallies with the word. Right? God had spoken to Simeon and now showed him this is the baby. He cannot wait for the redemption of Israel unless it was written, the Redeemer will come. Right? Everything. He knows the scripture very well. And he knows all the prophecies of the Messiah. All that. And the Holy Spirit said, don't worry. You will be one person in whose eyes it will be fulfilled. You will see and then you will go. So he is very excited. My gosh, all my generations have been waiting for this day. I will see. 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 Let us see confidence what he has heard is true. It's because it is written. The Redeemer is coming. Why are we waiting for the second coming of the Lord? Because it is written. I cannot, I cannot devise this out of my imagination and say, you know what, the Lord is coming. No, the Lord is coming. It is written. 
it is written you know so this is what is happening over there they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me and verse 10 responds to it so i said what shall i do lord and the lord said to me arise and go into damascus and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do and i was told and from there begins his statement i paul the bond servant of jesus christ he bent his knee you are my lord i am your servant where you take me where you sent me i will go he heard and that changed his life i am your bond servant if you go to luke 2 and verse 29 lord now you are letting your yes sir revelation without the lordship of jesus christ in your life is it's a waste it's pointless if you have a revelation then the lordship of jesus christ also should be formed in your life paul had a revelation after that he is the bond slave of jesus christ simeon has a revelation after that he is the servant of the lord and the servant he has been serving 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 but he is waiting 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 for an event waiting for an event and he knows when that event takes place then my work is done i have done my work i and the event has taken place john the baptist also he has been a revelation what is a revelation upon whom the holy spirit comes that's my son and after that your work is done your job is your job is done so it does not matter whether your job was only for 6 months and you were prepared for 30 years for a 6 month job and after that retire you still finished your task imagine you were prepared you had to live one of the most toughest lives for 30 years for a 6 month job six months job you all have seen has baptized people right right you have seen us baptize people no we baptize people right we baptize in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit i believe john was the only one who baptized like this he was not looking at the man he was looking up because he is not looking at the man this is irrelevant to him he is looking upon whom the holy spirit will come because that is the entire purpose of his ministry everything is secondary it's important he has to preach repentance prepare the people everything all that he can do wonderfully well prepare the people and all but if he doesn't point out the messiah he's failed he's failed but even if he failed in his preaching he pointed out the messiah he's still successful because the messiah will also preach repentance but if he does not point out the messiah his entire ministry is failed that ministry is failed so here probably you have one man okay you can go and then one day okay okay this is the one he already knows deep inside he knows you are the one you should be baptizing me he feels the holy spirit saying he says no he's okay one revelation is there one confirmation is there inside from the spirit i need one more it has been told you will see and nobody has seen the holy spirit nobody has seen. then he baptizes and he sees the holy spirit in us he says behold the lamb of god the lamb of god mission successful now you can retire after that pharisees come and say all your disciples have gone the crowds are gathering around him that's fine <laughs> that's fine 
He should increase, I should decrease. My work is done. Right? I should only have the bridegroom's friend's joy. The joy belongs to him. I am not the bridegroom. I am the bridegroom's friend. My job, even if I am the best man, I am only the best man. I am not the bridegroom. I am only the best man. I am not the bridegroom. And my joy is to point it to after him. No. So you will see your servant. These things are too very, very intimately connected. The Lordship of Jesus Christ and the servanthood of man. Otherwise, revelation will stop. Because both were servants and surrendered vessels. Though one was in outside and one was inside, both did not miss their moment. What did he say? Letting your servant. What does scripture say about Anna? She served the Lord. How? With fastings. And both were servants. Both were servants. So they did not miss the moment. Romans 8.28 For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. That's the key. The key is purpose. Are called according to His purpose. You see, all these people knew their purpose. And we need to realize that is what is being tested in that simple, regular, after some time, boring, daily, regular activities. If you walk with the Spirit, you will not miss your purpose. You will not miss your purpose. Okay. So, he knew his purpose. Hannah knew her purpose. John the Baptist knew your purpose. You will not miss your purpose. It is most important that we don't miss your purpose. What is their purpose? They should not miss the child. The child will only come once. If they miss that moment, they have to wait for another 12 years. 12 years. If they miss that moment, we don't know when he will come next. It's written, it's not written. Maybe he went every year, we don't know. But there is the two moments you talk about, Kairos and Kronos. Don't miss your moment. And that moment can be identified only by the Spirit of God. You yourself do not know. Only thing is that you do your daily spiritual activities faithfully, 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 faithfully. The moment comes, Spirit of God will say, it's here. This is your moment. Take hold of it. Verse 34. Not, not Romans, sorry, Luke. 2.34. Let's read 33.34. Yeah. Then Simeon blessed them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 34 is enough. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against you're looking at a child. And he tells the mother, you know what? This child is destined for the fall of many. 
all the way till the end. This one child, and everybody will have to make a decision about this child. And people will be troubled by this child. So this decision they will make about the child will take many to go to perdition. Many. This child. Many will fall. Many will rise. And every servant of God must be prepared for this. Many will fall. Many will rise throughout your ministry. Because that's how this child works. He says, that's how he works. He will cause many to fall. He will cause many to rise. Because everybody, he divides history and he divides man's heart. You have to make a decision about me. It's either me, he who does not uh, gather with me, scatters abroad. God does not give a third choice. There's only two, either me or against me. Rise of many, fall of many. And every one of us should be prepared for this. And he will be a sign which will be spoken against. Jesus Christ, that sign, will cause enormous provocation, hostility. And that is one of the signs of the end days. As the end comes closer and closer and closer, the hostility to Christ as the only one will only increase. It will only increase. And we ourselves are going to be provoked. Upset when we hear the word of God being preached because it is cutting us now. Dividing. Because in these days, especially in the last days when God starts shaking ourselves, so many of idols are falling and breaking. And these are things we nurtured quietly, secretly in our hearts for so many years and thought they were kosher. But when the shaking comes, it will show they were not acceptable. And he will be a sign which will be spoken against because it reveals the dividing line, our life and his life. Because some much of our spiritual activity can be our life and not his life. And when Jesus walked on earth, he was a provocation against the religious class of that time. Because he showed the hollowness of their life. And he just preached. And it's going to provoke the Pharisee in us too. Because God through his spirit is not satisfied with anything less than this. Romans 6.5 is what he will work through us. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. He says, if you have not been united with my son, you cannot, with his son's death, you cannot be united with his resurrection. If any man walked on earth completely dead to himself, it was Jesus. Therefore, he was united with his father. And God says, this is what my spirit is doing. And he is just shaking everything and showing you. Just showing how much we are not united to his death. And so many people will know they want healing, they want deliverance. But they don't want to be united with his death. 
after healing, after deliverance, they still want to lead their self-life. And therefore, they never truly get healed or not travel fully get delivered. Because they want deliverance from God. And they know deliverance is of God and from God. But will you serve God like this? Will you be united to his death? No, no, no. I still want to do my own things. So they are never made whole. Their bondage comes back. God does not want to heal us alone. He wants to make us whole. But the only way he can make us whole is that we completely learn by the Spirit. Day by day by day, we get united to the likeness of his death. Christ crucified is the sign spoken. It is foolishness to the Greece and a stumbling block to the Jew. 1 Corinthians 1, 24. We preach Christ crucified. People dislike Paul. Why couldn't he just preach Christ? Why did he bring that cross over there? Imagine how a few verses were taken out of the Bible, how everything will change. A few verses, let 10 to 15 verses from the new covenant is changed, taken out. Everything will change. Jesus' demands of discipleship, Paul's identification with the cross, all those things are taken off. Suddenly we have a very nice gospel. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. When does he become the power of God? When we identify with his death. Then he becomes the power of God for us. Otherwise, you see the cross offends cross offense. You know, there are different temples in the Bible. First, you have the tabernacle in the wilderness, then you have David's temporary tent, you have Solomon's temple, then Zerubbabel and all those people build that temple, then you have Herod's temple, all this temple. Okay? But do you know there's another temple in the book of Ezekiel? Another temple in the book of Ezekiel. And in the book of Ezekiel, First, what Ezekiel sees is the glory of God departs the temple. God painfully, sadly, waits, 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 goes to the top and then he leaves. In Ezekiel 44, if you look at the headings of that chapter, it is the glory of the Lord returns. Okay, Now, that's not a real temple. Nobody built it. It's a spiritual temple. But if you read Ezekiel chapter 44, if you look at the temple, the temple seems to be, the whole description seems to be about the altar. 44 is fully about the altar. While in the tabernacle when it was being built and all, the altar was not given so much space. But in this new temple, that spiritual temple that is coming, the description is about the altar. You know why? It is a cross. It's a cross. That's when the glory of God comes back. When a man dies to self, then the glory of God comes into his or her's life. That is the temple God is building. It's not a real temple. It's a spiritual temple. And you will see there's an altar there and everything is connected from the east side of the altar. The river is flowing. Everything is connected with the altar. Right? In the tabernacle that was built, everything was connected with the Ark of Mercy. 
But in Ezekiel's temple, everything is connected with you. How did this change? Simply, it's the cross. That altar is the cross. And God says, that's the temple I am building. People who carry their cross and die to self daily. And the glory of God comes upon them. My, It's my life. It's not your life. And as you grow in that, then Christ in you is the hope of your glory. But that cross is offending. Very offensive. Both to the Jew and the Greek. And inside us, there is both the Jew and the Greek. Our wisdom man is Jew, Greek. And the Pharisee, religious man, is a Jew. And it offends both men. I'm telling you. All biblical scholars hate this word called revelation. It makes their study look waste. All biblical scholars hate this word called revelation. Because the minute you say revelation, then they have no control over it. As long as it is wisdom, they will say this is the way to interpret it. But the minute you say revelation, it is, but you read from Acts chapter 1 on, sorry, 2 onwards, it is revelation. It's absolutely revelation. Where the heck can a simple fisherman stand over there and pick from Joel and pick from Psalms and give a message and 3,000 get saved? When they have issue about, uh, about, uh, the legalism creeping into the church and when they go over there, James suddenly goes into Amos and picks up with this thing and it is a revelation. Nobody says it, does, it doesn't fit in with hermeneutics. It is not out of context. Nobody says any of those things. They know, everybody knows. The Holy Spirit is telling them this is true. This is true. It agrees. It agrees. It agrees with what he is saying. This is exactly, they know, this is what is happening. They have taken something that has been spoken hundreds of years ago and they can fit into their context and to their present situation and the problem and they know this is a revelation. James is not speaking. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through James. So it is it. That's the law of the church. And this is where it happens. But our personal life, we need revelation. God has to show what are the things to be put away. What are the things to be put away. Go to Luke chapter 2 and verse 35. A sword will pierce through your own soul also and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. True for, not just for Mary. It's true for everyone. Sword. Which is that sword? The sword of the word. The double-edged sword dividing between the soul and the, the problem is it is the day when it cuts between the soul and the spirit will be your most depressing day. When you will realize so much of the work you did for God in the name of God was not from God. We're talking about good people. We're not talking about bad people in the world. We're talking about people who genuinely have served God. That day when the spirit cuts, God will say, you know what? You did. It was good. Everybody got blessed. But I never told you. It was you. It was you. It was not me. I blessed a lot of people. A lot of people got. No. And no, nobody would even know. Nobody would even know. How will anybody know? Like if our stick is again disappeared. Oh, it is here. Thank you. Nobody knows. Hit the rock. 
वाटर के एवरीबॉडी इज रनिंग ड्रिंकिंग ब्रिंगिंग द कैटल एवरीथिंग डांसिंग जंपिंग सो मच वाटर इज कमिंग वन मैन अलोन नोस इट्स बीन कट थ्रू दैट वाज योर वर्क एंड नॉट माय वर्क यू डिड नॉट ऑनर मी यू विल नॉट एंटर कट थ्रू बट डिड एनीबॉडी नो दैट वर्क नोबडी सो it's a what a blessed work but it is a work from the soul it was not a work from the spirit because only thing was told to me speak speak it cuts through your heart a sword will pierce through your own soul also and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed it will be revealed our dreams will start falling apart all our thoughts will be revealed right that's galatians 6:14 our man paul god forbid that i should boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ that is what he is talking about he says let me lift up that cross so that nothing that happens in my life or through me is by me it is by god let me boast about the work of the cross in my life that i am dead he is alive i am dead he is alive i am dead he is alive by whom the world has been crucified to me and i to the world because the world itself has its ways of doing good works religious works righteous works miraculous works works of power everything world has its own way of doing it and he says let me die to that absolutely die to that and be alive only to the way god wants it done so that the glory will belong to him all your thoughts are revealed the sword goes through your soul divides because the sword finds out the world in me this is the shaking that's going on around the world and all our life self is being revealed that is why this is a very special ministry in the last days the transition is taking place his coming is very very close a transition period is there right after simeon held him 33 years later the old covenant shut 40 years later there was no temple no sacrifice till today gone but the one who held the baby first in the temple was he the sacrifice of god he held it first and he saw and he spoke he was the first the very special ministry of the last day simeon stood there holding the baby in his arms and he blessed god and what did he say lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation the word is focused fulfilled it's time to depart it's time to depart okay jeremiah 616 as i close for tonight 
The final picture I want to live it. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Okay, let's leave that part. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. You have to look at that scene once again in your mind's eye. It's an old aged man carrying this infant in his arms. One represents the old covenant, the other represents the new covenant. One is pointing to the other and the other is resting in one. One is holding the baby. It's a new covenant. It's a old covenant is pointing to the new covenant. The new covenant is resting in the old covenant, the ancient path and the new path. And God says, that's how it works. When you read the old covenant, look for me. In the ancient paths, you will find rest. If you find my son, you will find rest. The letter of the law kills. But you find my son, you'll always find my rest. Because the old covenant is pointing to my son. And the new covenant can confidently rest in the old covenant. Because everything in the old covenant was fulfilled in the new covenant. It is all fulfilled. That's how we have to see the picture that is taking place in the temple. The old man holding the little baby. They represent two covenants. And he says, I have fulfilled my purpose. Can I depart in peace? Because my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. It's an awesome, awesome picture. You know, and with that heart, we approach the Bible like Simon. And the Bible will open up for us. And it's not just, it's beyond knowledge and wisdom. It becomes life. And Jesus came to give us life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. A transition is taking place once again. We are coming to the end of the age of grace. We do not know how many years we have left. We have no clue. But we know from the signs that shaking is taking place in us, among us, around us. God is separating the natural man and the spiritual man. He is separating what is of the world and what is of the kingdom. So that we ourselves can see what is of the kingdom in us and get rid of the rest. Because ultimately only the kingdom will be left. Because the kingdom cannot be shaken. And we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So I pray, Father, during these days... The Holy Spirit will keep revealing in us, in our homes. What are the things that are being shaken? Where did I put trust in flesh? Where did I put trust in the natural man? Where did I put trust in my natural abilities? Where did I put trust in the things of this world? And where have I put my trust in God alone? Show us, Lord. Show us. Show us, Lord. Two thousand years ago that day, 
only two old people recognized your son. That momentous event passed over everyone else. Nobody recognized, not even the high priest or any priest or any Levite. Nobody knew. Two old people, by the Spirit, knew. Spirit of God, our prayer is, keep showing us, Lord, that there will be a constant separation in the inner man. And we'll keep shedding the things that are natural, which are of no use in your kingdom. Those things are just use and throw. Ultimately, the natural man has to become the spiritual man. Come with the rest of the church into thy hands, O Lord, everywhere, here, everywhere. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over your children, especially the new ones who have come. Plead the blood, the blood, the blood. Over their years, over their lives, I pray they too will hear clearly, though they may have come in recently. I pray they will be established in the word and will not be deceived by voices, but will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit affirmed by the word of God so that there is no deception, no falling away, no confusion. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Be with us, Lord, the rest of the night. And I pray a church will arise like Anna who will serve the Lord with fastings and prayer. Nobody will miss that moment if we allow the Spirit to prepare us. Let there be no fear or worry in the hearts of your people. Just trust you and walk with you one day at a time. That's our prayer, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.